everyone, and welcome to the inaugural version of the tennis show here on Fine Margins, the channel, the YouTube channel presented by the Hammer HQ. We figured the best time to start the tennis content, the first major of the year. It's the Happy Slam down under where it's still nice and warm. It is snowing here, but it's nice and warm in Australia. And that is where we begin our tennis journey with the Hammer HQ at the Australian Open from Melbourne. I am joined by two of the best minds in the tennis betting community, especially on Twitter. It is later for them. It is only 6 p.m. here, but they're overseas in Europe. I'll start. Snyes, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. As always, it's a hectic, hectic start to the year. You know, uh, you don't really get much of a break. It's a couple of tournaments and then straight into the majors. So, uh, yeah, but it's exciting as always. Very hyped to get to Australia and uh, kick off two weeks of uh, sleep deprivation. Indeed, yeah. See, that's the nice part for me is like it's 7 p.m. when stuff starts here. So I'll be able to watch a, a good amount before bed. And of course, one of the goats of tennis betting in the Twitter community, Mr. Vinny at Matter Tip Tennis in the Twitter sphere to follow. How's it going, Vinny? Yeah, all good. All set for the new season. Looking forward to some sleepless nights because, yeah, <laughs> right now it's uh, just uh, before midnight. And that's usually when uh, play starts in Australia or in one hour. <laughs> but yeah, that's right, that's right. We, we make the best of it. You got some when you get up, right? A little bit left. I think even I have like one match left. So it'll be, uh, it'll be all right. It's different times for, uh, for different people. We'll put our collective heads together and get to watch a ton of matches. Um, it's a volume time for all three of us. We're all high volume betters. I will preface this by saying that. You'll see that on our timelines. Uh, and we're going to bring you some men's outrights here. We're going to bring you some women's outrights. Uh, and then, of course, there's 128 first-round matches uh, that you can bet on in just two days, right? Sunday night, Monday night, a.k.a. in Australia, it'll be Monday and Tuesday. It is an action-packed kind of two days. It's an action-packed fortnight. We'll start with the men's outrights, though. Um, Djokovic, of course, the favorite for the tournament, Novak Djokovic. For those who are newer to tennis betting, um, this is a, a field of 128, single knockout. The men play best three out of five sets, and the women play best two out of three. For those who follow tennis, obviously, this is not news to you. But Novak Djokovic, one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest, of course, the favorite for the tournament. Now the odds on favorite, about minus 120, minus 125. Of course, you can do all your line shopping for these kinds of things and for your first round matches in the BetStamp app or at betstamp.app on your computer. And that means there's, you know, a lot of guys out there that that might be be showing some value. Then again, there's a lot of guys who have really tough draws. We'll start in the top half. Uh, there's a loaded first quarter. What are you guys, what are your thoughts? I'll start with you, Snyze. What are your thoughts on that first quarter? Uh, will they just beat each other up uh, as they try and progress to the semifinal round? Uh, I mean, it looks like a bit of uh, a bit of a minefield. There are a lot of great players in that first quarter. We have, of course, Rafael Nadal uh, has not looked good at all this year. Uh, seemingly still injured. Uh, we'll see how many seasons he has left in him. We got Medvedev, of course. We've got Hubehuacach, Tiafo, Hachanov, Shapovalov, Korda. It's 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 loaded drapers in there as well. Um, but I still, as as much as it has been said that you know Nadal is you know aging, waning, he's struggling. I still think he's going to find a way to negotiate himself through the quarterfinal. He's got a tough matchup with Draper in his first round, uh, but I'm not sure I trust Draper to have 
the the fitness and the mental fortitude to take out Rafa in, in a best of five sets match. So I still think he struggles but gets through. And if he does that, the rest of his pass looks pretty manageable until he would uh, probably face Daniil Medvedev. I think both of them. Uh, the wild card there is Sepp Korda, who potentially might knock Medvedev out in the third round. That's going to be a, a great match. But I still do see the seeds holding here, and I'm expecting Nadal and, and Medvedev to face in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and of course, Seb Korda, as you mentioned, uh, recently nearly beat Novak Djokovic in one of the lead-in events or tune-up events uh, to the Australian Open. His serve, not one of his strengths in the past, looking really strong uh, in the early goings of 2023. Uh, video, I want to jump to you. Of course, the second quarter, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas in there. Um, I believe Felix Auger-Aliassime, two of those guys that are trying to bump that that forward generation of Djokovic and Nadal out of the winner's circle at these events. What are your thoughts on the second quarter to round out the top half? Are there any like wild uh, wild cards or dark horses in here that you think uh, have a chance to, to perhaps up upend either of them along the way? Um, yeah, I was looking at um, Borna Chorich maybe, but his path is not the greatest. He has to go through... Uh, he'll have to go through um, Cam Nori in round three, and Nori he's a, he's a fighter, has always been a fighter, and now he's also added some pop to his shots, and he can really use these Australian conditions to his favor. And yeah, other than him, I don't really see anyone um, think the favorites are vulnerable, uh, especially Yannick Sinner, who you didn't mention, but who was in the in the top eighth of the second quarter. Um, I do think he's vulnerable, uh, especially with his body f uh, failing from time to time again. Um, yeah, the other big uh, guy in here is Stefan Tsitsipas, of course. Don't really see him lose against any of these guys in his um, section. And yeah, your Canadian fellow Felix has a manageable path as well. Um, his fourth round match against Nori will be tough. But yeah, I think um, we are on, on the same page here with Tsitsipas and Felix, more or less. Of course, there's Nori, but I think we all think Sinner is, is the one to pick on in this quarter. So yeah. yeah you know, one of those guys that still relatively young and he's got a, a big frame without a ton of you know muscle on it and in a physical sport like tennis, that can that can take its toll, and it has, uh, to be fair, taken its toll in recent years on Yannick Sinner here and there. Uh, Felix and Nori, as you mentioned, that'll be a fun contrast, kind of stylistically, right? Big power tennis against that kind of defensive tennis, and it'll it'll be interesting to see who emerges from this quarter. I think very top heavy, uh, and and as a result, could make for some great matches later on uh, next weekend or early. In the second week of the event, I don't know how much entertaining tennis will get in this kind of the early phase. On to the bottom half, the third quarter is where, you know, it's not as deep perhaps as the first quarter, but it has some talent. Andre Rublev, the upstart Holger Runa, Nick Kyrgios, the mercurial Aussie who will have the crowd support. And of course, Novak Djokovic is back he went through a whole saga last year. I'm sure everyone's heard about that. Even non-tennis fans heard about the Djokovic controversy. He's back this year looking to reclaim the title. He, you know, has has the most of, I believe, at the Grand Slam level. Snize, back to you on this one. 
what do you see happening in this draw? There are a lot of talented players. Can any of them upend Djokovic? Or is this, you know, as talented as Nick and and, and Holger Runa and Andre Rublev can be, is it just no one can touch him right now? I really don't think so. Djokovic, to be fair, hasn't looked great in, in his first tournament. Still won it, beating Medvedev in straight sets. And it just tells you a lot about how difficult Djokovic is to defeat in these conditions and on these courts. Uh, I mean, the last time he played in 2021, he won with a 25 millimeter, or that is uh, an inch uh, uh, of an abdominal tear. And he, they, he's, they still couldn't beat him. And his draw is incredibly soft. RCB, Karabais Bayana in the first round, almost a walkover, Kwako, second round, easy win. Then it's Dimitrov or Karatsev. I think Karatsev, I think, I think actually I'd, I'd favor Karatsev even. I think he, even he has a bigger chance than Dimitrov of, of beating uh, Djokovic because he will at least have the belief. I don't think Grigor thinks he can beat Djokovic. Um, and then it's Karine Busta. He's going to fold if he gets there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really, really soft section. And um, likely faces either Rublev or Kyrgios. We'll see. I'm, I'll be interested to see how Kyrgios faces because for the first time, people actually, they have legit expectations of him. Uh, and there's the Netflix documentary series, of course, uh, elevating the hype around him. I think he's going to have a lot of pressure this time around. And he usually, he's just been, been able to go in as the underdog and just play his game and not care about anything. But now that there are legit heavy expectations on him. I think he, he fails. He's not the most mentally sound of players as we, as we think. So curious could actually be a surprise, uh, early, early round loss here. Uh, wouldn't count on him to go deep this week or this fortnight, but yeah, it looks like Djokovic cruises in the second, I think. Question marks exactly over United cup, uh, that inaugural event, not playing who knows. I mean, and that's the thing with Nick, even with, the home crowd, curious. You never know if, he, if he's just going to get angry or upset uh, and kind of mentally check out of a match. And, and doesn't matter if the crowd's on his side or not. Uh, when that happens, and once it snowballs, you know, game over, game set match, goodbye. Uh, on to the fourth quarter. This I don't know if you guys would agree. I'm going to go ahead and you know state that it's the weakest quarter. Uh, there's some talent there, obviously. Uh, at a Grand Slam, every quarter is loaded with talent. But uh, I believe, you know, Casper Ruud, as great as he was, he did nothing but prove his haters wrong last year. And there's still doubts out there about Casper Ruud on hard courts. Uh, and then, of course, Taylor Fritz, who is the darling of the betting community in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I'll touch on this in a sec. But, Vinny, why don't you give me your breakdown of the fourth quarter? Yeah, I was reading uh, Twitter was all over Taylor Fritz. Oh, it's his, it's his quarter to lose. How can he not win this quarter? I actually don't. Of of course, he he should win it, but but I'm not as positive as uh, the Twitter community, because it's his uh, draw could be uh, could could face some problems in this draw, like Baslashvili. Yeah, he probably won't turn up, but Popperin was playing better, and Kismanovic is always a tough opponent can, could wear him down. Because um, we saw Fritz um, throughout his career um, fold in these conditions, humidity, heat, and I'm not sure if I would back him as a as a big favorite in this quarter. Then, of course, we have Zverev, who probably isn't uh, at 100% yet. But still, if he if he somehow he should beat Varias and Goffin, 
he only has clay corridors or JJ Wolf. I don't think he's ready yet. If he gets some easy wins, first three rounds, he could also uh, be dangerous for Fritz. And in the bottom uh, eighth, you have Berrettini, who did show some good tennis again in the oh, Hopman Cup. No, <laughs> what is it? United, United Cup. Uh, United, United Cup. Cup. Um, yeah, if he gets on a heater and faces uh, Fritz in the quarterfinal, I would probably be on Berrettini's side. So I I don't have a bet here, but I don't think Fritz should be the over, overwhelming favorite here. Okay, so just before we get to the outrights, Fritz also, look, I'm not saying that he's going to lose to a Ben Shelton or an Alexi Popperin. But in these conditions, massive servers can get you to a tiebreak. And then it just takes a hot run of seven points out of 11, right, to, to kind of take a set from you. He could be out on court against Popperin for quite a while if, you know, they split sets and, and Popperin finds a purple patch of serving. Uh, same thing goes for Ben Shelton. I don't think Ben is ready to beat him. I think the talent is super raw there. But he's got a big lefty serve and forehand. And look, Fritz's backhand has improved dramatically. It is still not a strength or a weapon by any means. It can be targeted by good lefties. And I think the Berrettini's draw is actually a little more appealing. He just beat Kasparud at the United Cup. I'm not a huge head-to-head -head guy. But matchup-wise, he's far more likely... Uh, or sorry, Kasparud is far more likely to be broken. And it, all it takes is one break and Berrettini to be in cruise control. I like Berrettini a little bit more in this uh, in this quarter and with that i'll bring up our men's outright selections because that is the only one i really have to give out on this show it's a plus 500 um bet for me to win that fourth quarter i have matteo berrettini i like his draw i like the first few rounds i think he matches up decently with Kasparud. and look fritz could either somehow be randomly beaten by one of the big servers or potentially uh be taken long four or five sets by one or two guys along the way and then Berrettini has a bit of a physical advantage if that one goes longer. So that's my, all right. Do you guys have anything here? I think you guys were almost have a consensus on a, on a derivative uh, to meet in the tournament. Uh, yeah. So for uh, my outrise for the men's, I posted my, my full tournament outrise before the draw was made actually. So I did have Fritz. I got him at plus 3000. I like him less now when he's in the same half as Djokovic. Uh, but that was pre-tournament. I want Djokovic plus 104. Uh, obviously, that has value has gone there slightly, but I still do think he wins. Uh, I took a flyer on Francis Tiafo. He, he does avoid Djokovic just in the other side of the draw uh, at plus 15,900, 159-1 uh, for a smaller stake. Uh, he has upped his game, uh, his consistency, uh, to levels that I, I do enjoy, and he always has that big game, uh, and, to, and he does get up for the big games against the best players, so who knows, could have a little run there. Uh, to round it out, I'm on Nadal and Medvedev to meet in the tournament, which would be at the quarterfinal stage, of course, at plus 450, and I'm on and Oji Aliasim to also meet in the tournament, uh, and that's plus 500, so that, that does, those are my men's side, right? So I don't think I'll be adding much to this, uh, really not much to like on the men's side this year. Yeah, and that Tsitsipas, uh, Felix, outright, I I have a consensus with Snice, uh, just because I was saying, um, <laughs> yeah, Sinner, I, I, th I think he could go out earlier even. And that's why I think uh, Tsitsipas uh, gets to the quarterfinal and then it's just a numbers game. 
think plus 500 is enough to play Felix as well. And then I just added uh, another outright. Uh, I didn't tell you yet, Joan, but Felix is minus 137 on 365 to reach the fourth round. And I don't really see anyone of Pospisil, Stan, or Wu Jibing beat, beat him yet. And he'll be probably be minus, minus, <laughs> minus 500 or so against any of them. So I think uh, that's another angle for me there. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier today too. I mean, for me, Stan uh, Wawrinka, not really the most um, adept returner at this stage in his career. I mean, you know, he's obviously was coming back from an injury. I think he's pretty much back. The serve has really picked up, but the return game hasn't been great on hard courts. That's not the problem you want to have against a server like Felix Auger Yassim. Uh, and then, of course, you've got... Wu Yabing is the is the wild card there for that kind of selection, right? Is he did not look all that great uh, when he was, I think, qualifying in his first tournament in Adelaide. So uh, he's really going to have to show up and play best of five tennis to to stop that. So that's that's an intriguing look indeed. All right, let's move on. Any any last thoughts before we move on to the the women's outrights and the women's draw here? All righty, perfect. Top seed, Iga Swiatek. Who knew? Apparently, there's this really really talented female tennis player who is just dominating the tour out there named Iga Sriantek if you're not aware uh you can go ahead and check out her 2022 stats I say that because there are too many to list a ton of tournaments won several grand slam wins I think over 60 victories on the year overall on tour if I'm not mistaken dominant on clay over 70 there you go yeah dominant on clay like the female Raphael on the Dow right now in terms of dominance. Just incredible. This is her section. Is she vulnerable? Are the courts a little too quick? We'll see. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you first this time, Vinny. What do you have for us here? Of course, Coco Goff at the other end is the other uh, top eight seed of the quarter. Iga in the one slot. And then the seven seed is Coco Goff down at the bottom of the quarter. Yes. Yeah, so as you said, uh, Iga is the favorite and she as she should be but i do think she she uh, is vulnerable as well here uh, she didn't look as convincing as she did last year and i don't think she'll have uh, 70 wins again she will be the dominant force of course but i don't see her cruising here um, the first quarter here is really tough of course she has uh, two easy matches to to start but then it'll be Bushkova or Andreescu if she somehow finds her form again but then it gets it gets harder and harder it's there's Ribakina or Collins in the fourth round and then as you said Coco Gauff probably um, yeah I'm not sure if one of them can take her down but um, we play the numbers here and I do think uh, Ribakina has the best chance on these quick courts in Australia. She has shown some good results in Australia before. And yeah, her draw, her first two rounds are um, okay. She plays uh, Cocerado first, who's still in Hobart and playing the final there and has to play on the on Monday. So I think Rivakina gets an easy start there. And yeah, 
then you got Collins in the third round who just uh, did an incredible choke job against Kudemetova. I think you know about that, John. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So pre-draw, I was also having high hopes for Collins, but then that match happened and that section really is brutal for her because she's she has to go through Mukhova first, who can also be a dark horse in every tournament. So yeah, that first eight really is loaded. And yeah, either Rybakina or Collins can really take it to Shrontek. And then in the second eighth, I also have Coco. Um, yeah, she just is too consistent right now. Her forehand can still be picked or on with the, uh, with the big guns, but who does she play? Yeah. Shinyakova, who's more miss like miss than hit, then Emma probably in round two who's injured, and yeah, Paula Badosa is the other one, other seed in, in that eighth. She did improve as well, but I don't, I don't see her beating a consistent Coco Goff. So Rather, one sorry. one more, yeah, sorry, <laughs> one more. Um, if Coco makes it against uh, makes it to the quarters against Iga. I don't see her beating Iga, but I think uh, Iga can be uh, can go out the round before against a big hitter. Right. Yeah. So, and the, the funny part is, for Coco, probably the same struggles with uh, with those big hitters the round after too. Uh, but it's certainly more favorable for her than that Iga Shraltek, who has dominated her in the past. Because, I mean, the heavy topspin forehand, the pace, the serve, she just picks Coco Goff apart. Uh, in general, and you know, you can when you evaluate their their skill sets, you can see why uh, it's been so dominant. So even if it is a big hitter, I think Coco would rather see a Rabakina or a Collins, someone that can hit someone four stairs, or that she can move around the court at least have a chance. You know, unlike with Ego, where I, I think she almost wonders if she's defeated before it even starts these days. Uh, I know Snize, you have a couple outrights in there. We'll get to those uh, after we look at the other quarters. Unfortunately, of course, pre-draws and they end up in the same section is always tough. Uh, but you've doubled up on your chance to beat Iga Shriantek. So we'll talk about that in a second. For now, to the second quarter we go. As I look through, Jesse Pagula off to a really hot start in 2023. I almost said 22. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, it's it's not too late to say it. I, I am adamant. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she has had a great start. She actually beat Iga Shriantek, something she hadn't done last year, played her several times. So, you know, the United Cup, the team atmosphere really got her season off on the right foot. What do you think of her chances here uh, as you look at the second quarter, considering the bottom half, the seat at the very bottom of this quarter, Maria Sakari has a lot of question marks uh, surrounding her at this point. Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what Pagula can accomplish. Uh, she didn't only beat uh, Shriantek, she dominated her. It was a, a dominant performance, a dominant win. It was a two-and-two two drubbing. Uh, so, yeah, she's looked incredibly good to start uh, the year. She has had some success here in the past as well, made back-to-back -back quarterfinals. Uh, the thing I'm watching out for with Pagula is that she can be overpowered by a bigger hitter. That's what's happened Uh in 2021, when she had a great chance, she was a setup on Jennifer Brady, uh, came back to lose that match. And there are some bigger hitters in this quarter that could potentially bring her trouble. Uh, I'm looking at 
Uh, and Amanda Anisimova, if she finds some form, she could face her in the third round. That'll be a really tough matchup if Anisimova is on her game. Uh, we've got potentially, if she can survive the weather, uh, Petra Kvitova, who is also off to a pretty good start to 2023. And, you know, for all of her struggles with asthma and the heat and humidity and the conditions, if she's there in the fourth round, that'll be an extremely tough match for uh, Pegula. So I do think there are uh, some question marks. She's going to have to do well to uphold her favoritism in this quarter. Uh, but Sakari is definitely the weakest high seat in the tournament. As always, she's so weak mentally. She doesn't have the power, can get blown off by any big hitter. Uh, so yeah, Sakuri is one I'll be looking to be opposing really, really quickly. Uh, my eyes on the, in this quarter is on Madison Keys. Plays really well in Australia generally. She compares the conditions to where she usually trains in Florida, uh, back in the U.S. Obviously, semifinalist here last year. Uh, only lost to eventual tournament winner, now retired Ashley Barty. Uh, she started off 2023 on a high note, and she's playing with more controlled aggression and the power that she has on serve forehand backhand is uh, bested by very few women and her path looks quite manageable here so I'm, look, I'm looking at keys in this quarter and I do think there are plenty of players that can ask questions of Pegula yeah she got the right section of the right uh, the right section of the right quarter for Madison Keys um you know, Sakari, Teichman, Azarenka, not not exactly the biggest seeds uh, surrounding her in her run to what would, I believe, be the fourth round uh, or quarterfinal even. So uh, a nice little section for her. On the bottom half of the draw, uh, Daria Kasatkina sitting in the eight slot. And at the bottom of the quarter is Caroline Garcia, one of the darlings of, I don't want to say all of 2022, the latter stage. It really took her a while to get going. If you go back and look at the results, she won the year-end finals. She had a, a great summer, but it didn't start until a few months into the season. Of course, Caroline, huge serve, huge weapons, very aggressive returning style. Uh, we'll see what she can do. Vinny, any names? I know there's a, a name in particular here that you've got a, a few different wagers on that we'll get to in the outright section. What are you What are you looking at in the third quarter? How do you see it playing out, and kind of value do you see on on potential players here? Yeah, um, more like the fourth quarter on the men's side. I think this is uh, the weakest quarter in all of the eight quarters of the Grand Slam here. Um, yeah, Caro Garcia, sure she she was playing much better, but I still don't know if she's there mentally to go on a very big run. Um, yeah, then you have players like Kontavai who completely lost her form, Alexandrova, Begu, Shangchuai. I don't know. All of these seats are can be taken on early. And Kazatkina, yeah, courts in Australia are usually too quick for her. But again, I don't, I don't even see um, the unseeded players do some damage here. And this is why I have my eyes on Veronika Kudemetova to win this quarter and also to, um, to win it all. But we might come back to that later. Yeah, um, I think she did the right decision and pulled out of the semifinal against Bentich in Adelaide. Because I, I was I wasn't aware of that, but I think it's 800 kilometers away from Melbourne. So that was a good decision in my opinion, and she also gets the Tuesday start, so plenty of time to get used to the Melbourne conditions. And yeah, 
she plays Zanevska first, then probably Katie Volinatsu is talented, but just not on that level yet. Kudemetova was also doing, was also having a big step forward all of last year and two years ago. She's progressing step by step. And I think now she's she's ready to go on her first big, really big slam run. She, she's been playing well this year too. That uh, that should be said. Um, Ale- Alexandrova here, another one that withdrew this week. A lot of withdrawals the week before a slam. Shocker, I know. People trying to see if they, you know what, I've got my form. I feel like my game is in the right spot. I'm just going to go ahead and head uh, on over to Melbourne and try and save up some of that energy and, and good form for one of the bigger events of the season. On to the fourth quarter we go. Arena Sabalenka, talk about a player who's, you know, got a big game and is finding a little bit of form leading into the event. The five seed in Sabalenka is certainly someone to watch out for. She's, of course, won her tune-up event in Adelaide. I don't know if she played the second one. I don't believe she did, uh, which means she's had a week off on top of that title. The double fault rate is down a bit. Of course, that she had, I think, 120 or 130 more double faults last year than the next player on the list. So reducing that a little bit is going to be key. And she has. She's brought that percentage down from about 10% to 6% or 6.5%. It's a drastic uh, reduction. It's only the first week of the season. There's a long way for her to, to, to mess that up. But it's a good sign for her. And at the bottom uh, of this well, court, at the whole draw, really, at the bottom of the fourth quarter, is the two-seed Ons Jabour. Uh, the Tunisian became the first African last year, of course, to make the final at a Grand Slam event when she reached the Wimbledon final, losing from a set up to Elena Rabakina, so close to clearing that final hurdle. Of course, she had been she had, had issues in the past with winning you know, the final match of a tournament. Um, put it to bed last year but just couldn't do it at the Grand Slam level. So we'll see if she's ready to go for another run in 2023 at the Aussie. Snyes, thoughts here on the fourth quarter. What do you think of the overall strength? Do you think there's a, 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 a weak seed to pick on? Or um, is this going to be a pretty competitive quarter? Uh, well, this is very interesting uh, for a quarter because obviously we have a couple of huge seeds and I, I do think that on Stuber in particular is, is one that I'm, I'm going to want to pick on in this quarter. She uh, has throughout her entire career really has just profound issues with her uh, strength, physical strength and conditioning with her stamina is prone to running out of gas. She gets Shidanjek up in the first round. That is a player that could potentially run her ragged if she isn't at the top of her game. That could be a really long, like three hour, three set match in the heat. Uh, she gets potentially Marketa Vondrosova. That's another really, really crafty player that could keep her out there for a lot of hours. And then there's Giant Slayer, uh, Kaya Kanepi, potentially up in the third round. It's a really, really tough start for Onstuber. And of course, with her issues with choking, uh, it's definitely not a player that I'm going to be wanting to back to go deep, especially not after what I saw in the Wimbledon final. And I had her to win outright, of course, in that tournament as well, which just added to the pain. Uh, so I think Ons is in, in that lower eighth is someone that I want to pick on. It'll be interesting to see if Beatriz Haddad Maya can use her big game uh, to to get anywhere, or if Samsonova is the one. I'm not really that sold on Samsonova in 2023, so perhaps it's Beatriz Adid Maya that can win that eighth. Uh, in the other eighth, of course, Sabalenka, amazing form, but can she put it together for two weeks straight? I do think that 
she has every chance a lot of the players that she's going to face aren't near her level or completely out of form like Garbini Muguruza or Elisa Mertens uh, and there's really no massive threat there until you look down and see Belinda Bencic uh, and Bencic is the one I'm really focusing on in this quarter I think she holds uh, a lot of value Tomova Liu slash Brangle Georgie maybe at worst in the third round as a really good draw for her and then it's Sabalenka who she has beaten before she has uh, the counter-punching tools. She does have, uh, you know, every faucet to a game that, that she needs to be able to compete with Sabalenka. And if Sabalenka, you know, reverts to her old ways with double faults and, and everything, again, uh, I think Bench is at, uh, what was she, like four times the price of Sabalenka outright. Uh, it's a really good look in this quarter, and, and that's the name I'm focusing on. Uh, so I do think that Sabalenka, if everything clicks, of course, she could take this entire quarter with ease, uh, but I'm not ready to commit, especially not that price, and Onstuber is super opposable. Yeah, and, you know, it's... it's uh, Benchich is one of those players where we've been waiting. It seems like she's been on tour for a decade. I think she might actually have been on tour for a decade despite only being 25 years old. I think she debuted at like 16 or 17, right? If I yep. if I recall. So, I mean, she's been around. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that run. I think she, she did really well at the Olympics, and that was a big deal for her. Uh, you could see it, how much it meant to her, but we haven't really seen it click. And now she's, of course, into the final of a tune-up event in Adelaide. The, the expectations are starting to build up again. She's got quick court. She takes the ball early. She does all the things well. A little bit of, little bit of power to all the things you need to do to take time away from your opponent and minimize their opportunities to, to kind of set up and, and hit the shots they want. She does really well. The questions will remain until we see that semifinal, final, or championship run at the highest levels. All right. That'll bring us to the women's outright section now. I'll start with Snyes. Uh, what do you got for me in terms of um, outrights? Remember, folks, just before Snyze starts, betstamp.app or the Betstamp app on iOS, iOS or Android. Uh, you can make sure that you can line shop there. In tennis, I'm telling you, on some of these outright prices, there are significant differences between books. So it is well worth taking the few seconds to open the app, check before you head to the book to place your wagers. Uh, yeah, so obviously I'm in quite a good position heading into this Australian Open on the women's side because, of course, as Ashley Barty retired the very same night, I released a bunch of outrights for all of the slams. This is the last one. Uh, so I'm holding an EGA plus 1,000 ticket uh, to, one, to win this tournament since February of last year, which also meant that going into this tournament, I wanted to pick some big names that could potentially uh, take her out. Uh, so before the draw was made, I went in on Rybakina at plus 2,700. I went in on Collins at plus 3,500. Of course, unfortunately, they all ended up in the same quarter and the same eighth for Rybakina and Collins. But I'm quite confident that one of these three women will make it to the semifinal at least. Uh, so I should be in a pretty decent position there. Uh, also before the draw was made, I took on Madison Keys. Uh, at plus 5,500. Obviously, that looks excellent now, being placed in a very good part of the draw. Uh, I'm on Bensic after the draw was made, plus 2,700. Uh, on Kudemirmetova as well, after the draw was made, plus 3,100. And I'm on Keys to win her second quarter, plus 800. Kudemirmetova third quarter, plus 400. And then Bensic in the fourth, also plus 400. So really, the players that I've been talking about are, are the ones that I ended up uh, going for on that rights as well. Yeah, and I think we're we're in a bit of a consensus here. Um, the only ones I was really looking at, uh, are, you guys are both going to be talking about. I, I like the keys. Look, I think her her 
eighth is fairly open for her and her style works. Last year, she won a tune-up event, went to the semifinals. This year, she won a tune-up event with Team United States at the United Cup, didn't lose a match, I don't think, along the way, playing the two-line uh, on the women's side for the Americans in singles. You know, now she's on the quick courts in Australia. I'm with you on keys. Um, that'll be the only one I have, but you've already given it out. So uh, I'll shut up now and let Vinny take over and talk about his outrights. Yeah, first of all, I love all the Bentage love because um, I actually uh, <laughs> I, I took the Bentage trifecta uh, in December, November, I don't know, Australian Open, Wimbledon and US Open all at plus 3,300 when she was really dominating Billie Jean King Cup and won it herself for Switzerland. And yeah, uh, happy with the way she plays now. Uh, of course, she dropped because of that. I think you can only get a plus 20, 22,000 or plus 2,200, I don't know. Um, still slight value in my opinion, but um, the, the draw did not, uh, not too happy with the draw because Sabalenka in round four is just one or two rounds too early in my opinion. That will be, of course, cracking fourth round match. But yeah, I'm, I'm on Bencic and as I said earlier, I'm also on Kudemetova. Okay. <laughs> good, you can see Bencic here. Good, good screen, um, yeah. Sorry, maybe not. Uh, let me just scroll down. She's 25 plus 20, whatever 25 to one is uh, in plus yeah. odds. You can see her yeah. right here yeah, plus uh, across the board. It's paid, basically painted across the board. Um, these are several books. Uh, I'll stop sharing it now and let you get back to what you were saying, Vinny. Sorry, I just wanted to pull that up. Uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, sure. Uh, Kudemetova I just saw is also plus 2,500 and I, I think she's also backable up at that price given her weak third quarter. Um, nonetheless, I, oh, I always choose to play some props, as you might say. So not, not to win the whole Grand Slam, but to reach round four quarterfinal and stuff. And I got a few bets there. First, um, I have Paula Badosa to reach the fourth round, just because there's no one in there. Uh, the other seed is Ostapenko there, and <laughs> we all know her form, her shape. Um, yeah, you can get uh, her to reach the fourth round at plus 125. And I really think that should be minus money. Then I got Coco Golf to reach the quarterfinal. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, as I said earlier, sorry, um, she would probably be beaten by Shuantek if they faced in the quarterfinals or by the big hitter like Ribakina. Um, but she's plus two plus two ten on Kambi books and also plus two hundred, I think, on three six five to reach the quarterfinal. And that's my look for her. And I also took Ribakina to reach the quarterfinals at plus 700. Um, she's plus 900 to, to win the quarter, meaning she would be uh, minus 500 or minus 400 favorite in the quarterfinals. And I just don't buy that against Goff or even Badosa. She would be something like minus 200 or so. 
So I have her to reach the quarterfinal at plus 700. And of course, the Kudemetova to win her quarter prop at plus 450. Told you guys, a lot of volume. A lot of volume with this crew. Like, we're all high-volume betters, too, which just makes this uh, even more interesting as we go through this. Uh, 128 matches to dissect as well. We're not going to go through every one of them. As you can imagine, that would take a lot longer than I think we have to go through things and a lot longer than you guys are willing to probably watch for. So we'll head into uh, a few first-round matches to talk about. We have between 5 and 10, and we're going to start over um, with Rinki Hijikata, taking on Yannick Hampfman. Uh, this one, the Australian wildcard, a slight underdog. Uh, Vinny, why don't you take this one away and, uh, and and give your kind of analysis on this match here? Yeah, I think uh, Hijikata is, a, is an obvious underdog pick. I think I also saw him on, on the Twitter timeline quite frequently. Um, yeah, he's a talented young Australian who will probably be... Um, get some crowd support. Um, yeah, I think that's that's should be more like minus 110, minus 110. So I also played him, but I also took the over in this match because Hanfman, he showed last year that he can deal with the crowd when he beat Kokinakis. And both are decent servers, should see some long sets, 7-5, 7-6. And even a four setter with one seven four uh, <laughs> seven five uh, set should should get you to thirty eight, and that's why I took uh, the underdog plus the um, total games over thirty seven and a half here. And I've got those highlighted on the screen, as you can see in the at the Betstamp website right now, uh, plus one fifteen at about minus one twelve. Um, I'm sharing my screen under my settings, so these are on European odds. Apologies to all the the viewers. We're trying to say these things in American odds because I know that's the format we use, but we're all uh, decimal odds better. So you'll see on the screen share. Um, you're going to have to see the decimal odds for now. Um, all right, on to the next match we'll talk about here. I want to get to uh, Lloyd Harris and Lorenzo Musetti. This one, uh, Snyes, was was one you wanted to talk about, so I'll let you take it away. It's also something I am heavy on, uh, and I've already I've already posted to my timeline as well. Uh, yeah, so we've got a uh, pretty interesting matchup here. I think it's a huge mismatch. Uh, we've got Lorenzo Mazzetti versus uh, Lloyd George Muirhead Harris, uh, who has done well in his comeback from, I think it was a wrist surgery that he had that kept him out for uh, an extended amount of time. He's been playing well at challenger level, uh, but he's played back-to-back two brutal weeks now in, in Thailand, and he's actually still there, slated to play the final tomorrow, and this is a Monday match, so he won't get much rest at all. He's going to have to play that final, expend even more energy, and then get straight to Melbourne, uh, so preparation will be poor for him, uh, and then he runs into Lorenzo Musetti. I think part of the reason this line is so close is because one... Uh, the books and the public don't trust Musetti on faster hardcourts, but he's improved massively on the surface. He showed that last year uh, where he played some really good tennis uh, on quicker courts. So those concerns for me are, are alleviated. He even won a title uh, on hardcourts. And 
also there was a, an injury scare for for Misetti. It was a shoulder injury. He withdrew in the United Cup against Tiafo. Uh, but according to Italian media and everything, it was uh, a minor inflammation. He should be fine. So I'm I'm not scared about the injury. Uh, for the matchup itself, Lorenzi will be able to match. Harris, when it comes to the serving, he's a far better returner. He's better from the back of the court. He's more consistent. He can use more angles. And, of course, he won't be tired from two weeks in the legs as well. And uh, he played well uh, in, in the United Cup also before we're picking up that shoulder problem. So I think he's just better in almost every single aspect of the game. This is a best-of-five sets match. And I think he can pull away with this one and win quite comfortably potential three or nothing here uh i can't really see harris mustering the strength to fight back if he's down two sets to love uh after the two weeks that he's had and uh, yeah Lorenzo Massetti should just roll here in my opinion so i'm, I'm quite heavy on this uh what three units on, on uh minus 105 for the minus four and a half games on on the italian here yeah that line is down to about minus 115 i got last night minus four around minus 118 ish um and i'm happy with that Look, I mean, Lloyd Harris watching his, there's a, a tour below for those who are kind of newer to the tennis betting scene called the Challenger Tour. It's the equivalent in North American sports, I would say, of the minor leagues. Um, your ranking gets you into these tournaments. If your ranking isn't good enough, you generally you drop down, you play these minor league events just like you would in team sports. And then as you perform more, you get you get to move up to the the, the top leagues. And he right now in Thailand, he's playing at one of those minor events, trying to, to rebuild his kind of stamina, get the physicality, the rhythm back. Uh, he has what they call a protected ranking, which is why he can play the Grand Slam. Uh, they basically let you get into a certain amount of events using the ranking you had when you got hurt. That's why he's able to play uh, this next event. He played last night and watching his match in, this, in the second set, he, uh, he went from dominating the first to saving like eight or nine break points. He was pushing forehands. It's not his style. He's usually a big power kind of guy. You could see that fatigue taking its toll where he was hitting a lot of topspin short forehands, kind of the opposite of what you'd expect. Um, and like you said, Snize, if you told me two years ago that Lorenzo Musetti could match Lloyd Harris in the serving department, I would have ridiculed you. But here we are. He's winning, you know, 75, 80% of his first serve points on a regular basis. He's holding 80, 85% of the time. And I learned the hard way, his improvement on quick hard courts during the indoor season when I lost a lot of money <laughs> opposing him uh, for quite some time. It took me three or four fades before I realized what was going on. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I think the travel spot, the potential fatigue spot, even without the fatigue, even without the fact that he's played two long weeks without having played months prior, right, on a, on a kind of body that's not acclimated to the grind. Uh, the travel spot alone, uh, one day to travel, there's no direct flights from Bangkok to Melbourne. I did look this up unless I was just on the wrong site. I'm pretty sure there are no direct flights leaving on Sunday. So that's going to be a layover. He might not get in until Sunday night. You're playing Monday um, in a new city on a new basically continent, an island in the South Pacific. It's not going to be a very easy uh, time for a guy fresh off injury off two long weeks of tennis in his legs. So that is certainly one to watch. All right. To Bergs, back to Vinay. Bergs and Laszlo Jere. This is an interesting one. I don't know how to say his name. I don't know if it's Jera or Jere or whichever. But the fact is he's more of a clay quarter. He's had a few hard court runs. They've all come the week before slams, though. So let's caveat that success. Winston Salem before the U.S. Open and now uh, this week in Auckland. Um Again, before the Aussie Open, he plays a very talented qualifier and take it away, Vinny. Yeah, if you told me uh, one and a half weeks ago, I was uh, betting Bergs 
um, I would have ridiculed you. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was really getting better from match to match in, the, in qualifying and absolutely shocked me and Adrian Andreev beating him 6-1, 6-2. And on the other side, um, Jere, he beat Kasper Ruud, but I don't think uh, Ruud was playing 100%. Uh, I think he did the right thing and play. It didn't tank, but didn't uh, give 100%, I don't think. And then this match against Li Tien wasn't really great. So I think uh, he's not in the best form. He's not a hard quarter. And as you said, Sisu Bergs is a talented young Belgian. Um, yeah, who also uh, took a set of Jere uh, on clay in 2021. And I do think that should be a lot closer than plus 200. Um, you can get um, plus four and a half games on backs uh, at minus 119. And I'm on that. Nice. Yeah, you know what? This is going to be... This is one where... Again, back to the volume thing, not to beat a dead horse here, but I've got so much outlay already out and I'm looking at my bankroll, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> like this is it's getting up there. Bergs is playing Tuesday, and I'm like, oh, can I can the can the numbers stick there for like a few of the first matches clearing so I can free some of that up? There is value there. I will be on Zizu Bergs. Um, as you said, the qualifying just got better and better. There were reports he fell ill at the United Cup, and that might have influenced the Dimitar Kuzminov and uh Stefano Sakularidis matches and then of course as he got better his results were clearly better like his first match he didn't look good in the first set he needed a uh, a tie break to beat a guy that i've even never heard of and i mean i i watch the lower levels of this not as much as Vinny, but you know i do um in jeremy Jin, and then the dom yeah like you mentioned against andrea he's got the hard court game the serve the athleticism the power is all there he's very mercurial we saw him almost choke a lead in that second qualifying round match from a set and breakup so we'll see uh, but plus 200, I'm not even going to take the plus four and a half. I'm going to be the guy that is complaining in the DMs to you guys when he blows a two-set lead. Uh, and Vinny cashes his plus four and a half, and I'm going to be screaming about the choke. And Vinny's going to say, not going to say it because he's too nice, but he'll be thinking, why didn't he just take the plus four and a half? Uh, I'm also going to go with minus one and a half sets here, the underdog side, um, which is, you know, of course, a nice little way to to like a plus 300 plus 400 shot out there i think he can if he gets he's had physical issues in the past uh, in extended matches so if he's going to win you almost have to think he's got to do it rather quickly jerry is a very physical player he can last for five sets this goes five i, I don't even you know i don't like it all that much i think there's more value on him to get this it's uh, the, the implied probabilities are more favorable to us for him to get this done in four um than you know if this goes five so i'll take the money line there's value there but i also think in there's a a little bit of value in the derivative market uh, to try and sell off a set and, uh, and have them win by margin. All right. I'm going to go for one here on Eri Shung against German Oscar Ote. Did I get that? Yes. That's a, I always say Ote. So I know, I know now Vinny's corrected me, a resident German. Um, this is another one where it's a qualifier with a, an interesting game. He, he's, was, he used to be a bit underpowered. I think the court speed in Australia has helped him a little bit. Again, three matches on these courts, played very well, had a, a few tough opponents along the way. Uh, beat, you know, fellow lefty with a huge inside-out forehand in Fernando Verdasco, albeit 
you know, in his late thirties. Now it's not the Fernando Verdasco of 2010 per se, uh, but some, some nice wins along the way for Shung. I think he won uh, a, a kind of pick a match as well in the third qualifying round. The who he beat right now is escaping me and it's annoying me, um, but he's got a nice lefty game. Ota is Ote is a tall, big serving uh, kind of player with a great forehand, not the best mover, not the best returner, and certainly doesn't have the best backhand. Nice thing about Jerry Shung, he's a lefty. And so in those cross-court rallies, those high-margin rallies where, you know, you're hitting over the lowest part of the net, you're hitting cross-court forehands, one of the safer shots in tennis, he's going to be picking on that Oscar Ote backhand wing over and over and over again. And, you know, he may be able to get one or two of those back before an error creeps in or he leaves one of those balls short and uh, and Shung can come in and kind of punish it and put it away. I don't know um, that Oscar Ote is, is that much better. He's got more pedigree at the top level. That's obvious. Uh, you know, more best of five set experience. I get that. He, I'm not saying he should be, that Shung should be the favorite here, but again, a plus 175 to plus 200, do your line shopping, uh, is certainly something that I am interested in taking with uh, Jerry Shung here. Uh, either of you guys joining me on this one? Uh, um, I've, this was one of the last ones that I left off my card. Uh, may have to go, of course, back and add that now, as 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 it usually happens. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm usually way higher volume than you are. But I'm actually, I've actually kept it quite low for me, anyways. So I do have some space to add some more. So that that will be one of the the plays I'm I'll be looking to add. Played really well in qualifying, and Ote had just hasn't looked fantastic. Uh, so you know. Everyone loves an underdog, right? So yeah, I do have to do have to join you on that. I'll probably oh. just add him to my over three and a half sets parlays that I'm gonna yeah. hit. <laughs> yeah, and he'll win. And he'll win three nil. Watch, no, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this is another one too, by the way, where the underdog looks like I have I have him closer uh, to like a forty percent or 42 or 43% chance to win in that range, which of course would put him under plus 150 or, or more expensive than, and he's all the way up in the plus 175, plus 200 range. So for me, quite a bit of value, perhaps my number is off uh, when it's that far off. I kind of question myself, <laughs> but certainly what I'll be looking at again, a minus one and a half sets here is really tempting uh, or, or the, the plus games that, you know, I, I didn't take with Bergs. This is one where I think the returner or the favorite is such a, poor returner or or below average returner that the plus games could go a long way just serving your way uh through some of these sets and if you win one set six three or six four it's going to be really tough for ote to come back and cover uh with having uh, lost a set by by multiple games all right on to the final men's match before we get into some of the women's matches and be and wrap up after that uh daniel alahi galan jeremy chardy take it away snies um this is an interesting one and an interesting line yeah, so Jamie Chadi, he's barely played uh, for, what is it now, 18 months or something? He's been out of action for so, so, so long. Uh, and he's been one of the French players. Uh, there have been a couple that have been talking about uh, struggling with their tennis since uh, uh, getting vaccinated. And, and he's been one that has been outspoken about that. And he's just really struggled with both that and injuries. So this will be his first run in 18 months. So it's been really, 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 really rusty, of course, expecting uh, him to be in no way, shape or form ready for the Australian heat and the the humid conditions and uh, just playing best of five sets tennis right off the bat uh, after not playing competitively for so, so long. 
Uh, and Chardy, his the strength doesn't lie in his movement to begin with. It's the serve and forehand combination. And if that is off, uh, he's going to struggle massively to begin with. And again, just expecting a lot of rust here. Uh, Daniel Elahi Galan, primarily a clay quarter, but he does have uh, weapons to produce on hard courts. We obviously saw that. Uh, this past summer where he shocked Stefano Tsitsipas in the first round of uh, the U.S. Open, beat him in four sets, 3-1 as a uh, plus 2,000 underdog, uh, and followed that up as well by winning a five-set against Jordan Thompson in, in the round after making the last 32. And, and he does have some some pretty decent hardcore wins apart from that run uh, as well. So he can play the surface, and he will be... Uh, the player, obviously, that's fitter in this contest. He's better from the baseline uh, when it comes to consistency. And if Charlie isn't hitting bombs, serving bombs for the entire match and following that up uh, with forehands and the net, I'm also expecting him to fade physically and then uh, really should be set up for Galan to run away with it. So I'm on Galan minus four games. Got that at minus 110. Uh, I want that for two units. Uh, I do like minus one and a half sets as well. Uh, you could really go with either of those. Can't go wrong either way. I think he wins 3-1 at worst. Maybe Charti serves out of his mind for a set and gets it to a tiebreak, probably the first set. If so, I'm not expecting him to be able to keep it up as Galan gets a read on the serve and, and Charti is tiring. Uh, but yeah, Galan to win this and with relative ease for me. So you can see here it's down now minus four and a half minus 120 uh, is the one book that kind of has these these spreads up within uh, the bet stamp app. I also was on with you. I think minus 105 minus 110 at the minus four number. It's the first one I posted. Uh, I want to mention one other thing about this match real quickly before we move on. Jeremy Chalet is not just coming back from 18 months. He's not, he wasn't just a poor mover to start with. It wasn't a just a cardio issue, like a, an issue that he had injury-wise and, and with inflammation that hurt his cardio. All that is, is pertinent. He is not 25 years old. He is 35 years old. This is not a 23-year-old trying to come back from an injury. This is a guy in the kind of twilight of his career. This one screams, hey, this is 70,000 American dollars, 100 and something thousand Australian dollars. I got a protected ranking. I'm going to go get paid. That's what this looks like to me uh, more than anything. I cannot wait for Twitter, though, if somehow this does not cover. I cannot wait for the trap line discussion, uh, trap game discussion to come out regarding this because this this line does scream a mistake in terms of uh, the men's kind of draw. It's the first one I posted that I, I knew right away I'd be betting. All right, quickly on to the women's here before we wrap up. Uh, Marie Bushkova. And Bianca Andreescu, I'll go back to Snize on this one as well. Um, this is also one I, I think we're on the same side here. I, I'd be surprised if we weren't. Uh, we actually didn't discuss it prior to the show, but I'm on Marie Boshkova. I'm assuming that's where you're going with this. Uh, yeah, I'm on her as well. Uh, Andreescu, of course, a darling of mine. I was on her to win uh, the US Open. I was on her in every single match, including the final. I even got her to win 2-0 over Serena Williams. A lot of great memories uh, from from BB from the Mississaugan Mammoth, but those days are long gone. She looks like a part-time tennis player these days. Isn't fully focused on her tennis anymore. Uh, still only 22, but injuries and just lack of focus uh, has completely sent her tumbling down the rankings. Will continue to fall, and 
to begin with, the Australian Open wasn't uh, a major that she had done great in to begin with. She's only played here a couple of times and never made it beyond the the second round. In 2021, she was upset against uh, Shea, uh, Shea Zue in, in straight sets, got clubbered as a massive favorite. I think she was minus 400 or something in that match. And started 2023 by getting Bagel to Garbini Muguruza, who is, has been horribly out of form, and a, a monster choke from, I think it was 6-love, 5-3, 30-love up on serve from Muguruza, allowed her to come back and win that match, had no business winning it. Then she got destroyed by Kudermitova. So 23 isn't looking a whole lot better for uh, Andreescu. Uh, Marie Buskova, uh, who I like to nickname The Wall, is a really, really consistent player, really strong from the back of the court, uh, rarely misses. Uh, and, I mean, she, she can't finish points as well if need be. And, uh, well, she doesn't have the greatest results in the world at the Australian Open. But to me, this is just a, a massive fate of Andreescu. I, she has no business being favored against a really, really strong player uh, like Buskova is, who's going to be more consistent than her, uh, who is in better form than her, and just overall playing better tennis. She's in a better place in her career. And uh, yeah, I'm just struggling to see uh, how the name alone just makes Andreescu automatically a favorite against... I mean, she's the world number 26 even, uh, yeah. Buskova, right now. Uh, just a mistake of a line, I think. So I'm on two units on the money line for 217 on, on Buskova to win this or plus 117 sorry i know i was doing the same thing i heard him like yeah Yeah. no i know what he needs the 2.14 for me uh anyway the uh i want to say one thing you said she can finish points if need be one i totally agree with that because i think she's that's an underrated part of her game two the need won't be (laughs) <laughs> the way she's playing, <laughs> she will not need to finish points in this match. I, of course, I say that BB will just be firing winners now. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is, dude, I, I I don't like the overreaction stuff. I don't like two match sample sizes. But come on, you cannot watch a second of either of those matches against Muguruza or Kudermatova and think BB is going to be competitive here. It is her specialty to kind of come out of nowhere and do this. Though. I think she struggled before Indian Wells run that one year uh, that she played Kerber in the final and Angie kind of called her a you know, drama queen, if you remember that. Um, I think she did. She went on a run out of nowhere there. But yeah, right now, there's no indication that she is remotely close to being in form. All right, I want to do... Two more matches here because we're running up against uh, a little bit of a time uh, crunch. But first, I want to go to one that Vinny wants to talk about. Diane Paris against Taylor Townsend. What What are your thoughts here? Where are you going with this? Yeah, um, I'm on the underdog there. Um, the match is played on Tuesday. And Tuesday is supposed to be the hottest day of the week by far. It'll be... Um, 36 degree that's celsius um should be something like 95 close to 100 degrees fahrenheit um yeah uh i i could see fitness issues for taylor townsend and even though she likes these quick courts and will probably use her serve and volley um game um she's uh, matching up against a clever player who usually um lures opponents to the net she doesn't have to do that against townsend but she has uh, some great passing shots and 
plays with variety, probably moves Townsend around the court. And she was plus 215 when I uh, got her. She's still plus 200, I think. And I bet her on the money line as well as on the handicap because I just don't see um, Townsend yeah, um, cope with these conditions. I will she say. Also, yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, go, no. go, go. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, she also lost to Podapova uh, 0 and 1 uh, this year. Um, of course, Podapova is uh, another caliber, but I don't think. Um, the Australian conditions, even though the courts are in her favor, but I just think it's way too hot and humid for her. Yeah, and, and I will say, if if Paris manages to learn that you're supposed to hit the tennis ball over the net, this is, this is going to be one of the better value plays on the board. My issue is watching her, I think, one or two matches prior to this uh, in warm-up. I don't know if she... She's aware of that fact. We'll see. We'll see if she can <laughs> she can uh, do a little better against Townsend here in Melbourne. All right. Uh, I, I have to end on this one because, like, with the risk of getting us in trouble in our first episode, what a freaking dumpster fire the match between Garbine Muguruza and Elise Mertens. 2017 blockbuster popcorn massive match. Couldn't happen because they'd both be seeds. Uh, but, yeah. Muguruza against Mertens, 2023 edition. Dumpster fire snies. I am going nowhere near this. Please let me know your thought process on what you're doing here. Uh, I've actually taken a side here. I'm going with Garbinia Muguruza. Uh, obviously, 2022 was uh, an abysmal year for her. One of the worst in her career, if not the worst. Uh, and that is coming off the 2021 season when she won the WTA finals in some style. Uh, so it really kind of came out of nowhere for her. Uh, but that year looks to be behind her. She said that she's uh, had a lot of time to work hard. She's been training well, and now she just needs match practice and match fitness. And I think she played pretty well uh, to start 2023. Uh, that Andriescu match should have been a 6-love, six 6-3 six win. Horrid choking there, and she had the same choking issue against Ben. She, she was also playing really well this season. So I do think there are... Uh, some encouragement to be taken from from the way Muguruza is playing right now. And at least the Mertens, I mean, if Muguruza had a terrible 2022, yeah, I don't even know what to say about Mertens. Uh, apart from a random title in, in Monastir, she is just, was just off the map. And back in the day, I used to say that Mertens was, you know, like the elite benchmark. Uh, she was like just on the cusp of being elite. And if you beat her, you were elite. And if you didn't, you were probably not like a top 15, top 20 player. Uh, and even back when she was at the peak of her powers, she was still a player that always got overwhelmed by elite big hitters. And Mugurusa, if she can find stretches of consistency and controlled aggression, uh, is certainly that player. And so I think that I'm slightly encouraged to see what I've seen from Mugurusa to, to start 2023. Uh, not really encouraged by what I've seen from Mertens at all. She struggled against Gergana Topalova, uh, who is 324 in the world, and got destroyed against Sakari, got destroyed against Sanevska. Uh, so that is a horror show to start 2023 as well. No signs of turning that poor 2022 around. Uh, so this match is on the Muguruza racket. If she brings uh, a decent quality, which I think we've seen from her thus far, I think she wins this match. Uh, and so thus, I am on her money line at minus 
19. Uh, yeah, 119. And that's minus 115 was the 1.87 you saw on the screen share there uh, at Caesars right now. Um, if you used to, if you it used to be, if you beat Mertens, you you were elite. That that's that's very true. Now, if you beat Mertens, you're just a tennis player. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how that one plays out. I had to end on that because and look for Muguruza, an almost win against Bibi Andreescu is better than the results she had been putting up. So I mean that is kind of like not like this isn't even a joke. Seriously, on this front, um, it, it, that's almost good form for her. So like take that for for what you will. All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, for tuning in. Thanks to Vinny and uh, Snize for contributing some great information for everyone. I hope you enjoyed the inaugural edition of the uh, kind of tennis betting streams on the Fine Margins account presented by the Hammer HQ. Remember to please like this video, subscribe to the Fine Margins channel. We should be back uh, as the bigger events continue to roll in later on through the season. And of course, you can follow Snize on Twitter at SnizeMaster. Vinny is at MatterTip Tennis. And you can see mine on the screen at Tidbits Tennis. Fine Margins also has the Twitter account. And again, all this is possible thanks to the line shopping from BetStamp. Really appreciate it. For now, enjoy the Australian Open and make sure you are sweating plenty of bets over the course of the coming days.